Hey, everybody, welcome to our Wednesday night service. So we're kicking off a brand new series, which I am so excited about. It's the seven churches of Revelation. So we're going to be studying in the book of Revelation for seven weeks because <laughs> there's seven churches. And uh, I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to share that time with you. And uh, each week we're going to have special guests. Tonight, we have very, very, very special guests. We have Sawyer, who leads our high school ministry here. Uh, and man, it is so good to have you here with us. I'm excited to be here. I love this topic. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. He's going to reveal something really dark in his life. And then we also have Shanisha here. Shanisha is one of my favorite, favorite people. My life changed for the better when um, Shanisha came to a life group I started and we got to meet you and know you. And it was just so incredible. So welcome, Shanisha. Thank you, Pastor Chet. Yep. And I don't want to leave Tracy out. She is my, uh, my right hand doing ministry together, which is really, really cool. But we're going to start tonight with worship. We're going to do it in a very, very special way. Uh, we have a brand new song from See You Worship Out called Thank You. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, Tracy, you told me the song's kind of stuck in your head yeah. in a good way. Yeah, Praise God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you sing it first? No, I won't. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it is. It like grabs you. And I love the words. I love the melody. I, I love worshiping with it. And I really love the video they did. So I want you to see the video, which, by the way, does feature Sawyer uh, uh, singing in the video, uh, not a solo. But anyway, uh, we're going to thank God as we open the service. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you. And we thank you so much that, um, Lord, you are always there for us. You're always with us. You never leave us alone and you never leave us left out. In Jesus' name, we thank you, thank you, thank you for your love. In his name we pray. Amen.
Teresa Cervantes, and I've been coming to Crossroads for 11 years now. 11 years ago, when I first walked through the doors at Crossroads, even though I enjoyed all the hugs I received from the minute I got to the stairs to inside to my seat, I loved those hugs, but I wanted to be anonymous. So I would go up to my seat, halfway up in the stadium seating, and I would just sit there and I just didn't want to be noticed. If I did a prayer request or filled out my offering envelope, I put my name, but I would never put my phone number or my address because I didn't want anybody to know who I was. I had some hurt, and even though I knew I needed God in my life, I was letting that hurt keep me away. And so if people don't know you, they can't hurt you. At that time when I was coming, I was an empty nester. Both my boys were out of the house, and I was a workaholic. I I sometimes say I was very busy, but I was very lonely at that time. One Sunday, sitting in my seat, my usual seat, all of a sudden, Talia Murray came up to me and started talking to me. It was like so amazing, that interaction we had, and I remember the next day I looked her up online and I emailed her and I thanked her for coming to talk to me. So she emailed me back and she said, God wants you to know he sees you. And sitting at my desk, the tears started coming. And every Sunday, Talia was there. I think she had a tracking device on me because I'd walk in the door and there was Talia introducing me to somebody new every Sunday. She was rocking my world. But I'm so thankful she did. 
One day I get an email from Casey and I'm thinking, why would Casey be emailing me? So I couldn't figure it out and I opened the email. It says, Talia says that you would be good for this new ministry we're starting. It was a Monday night callback team, way out of my comfort zone again, but I went and I was so thankful that I did because that callback team was amazing. I made amazing friends from there, but just when we would call people and they'd say, you really do call, you really do care. I mean, your heart would just grow on those Monday nights. You'd leave there floating. From callbacks, then we started the Grow Track, which is now Next Step. And again, incredible lifelong friends. And then from there, they gave me the courage to start my own life group. I probably would not be where I am now without the support and the love of those ladies in my life. People know me now, and that's okay. Since that time, I've grown in my job, but I, I'm not a workaholic anymore. I'm okay to go home at five now. I recently got married, and I've just grown so much, and God has blessed my life so much, and I feel like I, I just have such a purpose now. I took those steps when God brought the people into my life to help nudge me along. You feel loved when you come to Crossroads. My name is Teresa Cervantes, and I love my church. And I love that. I love Teresa. I love the fact that she found a higher calling and a more wonderful purpose for her life here at Crossroads because we were able to embrace her. Uh, one of our pastors, Talia, really helped make that happen. And then I'm watching Teresa even this day. And every time I see her, I'm going, wow, the Lord is moving in her heart. The Lord is moving in her life. And so you know what? So many blessings came from her saying yes to the Lord, which you're going to find out. That's kind of a theme of the first church we're going to talk about in the Revelation is that God has so much for you, but you got to say yes to it. You got to say yes. And then when you do, incredible things happen. And that not only is the story for Teresa or the story for that church of Ephesus, it's this, my story, it's Tracy's story, it's Shanisha's story, and it's Sawyer's story. And you're going to get to hear a lot of that. And we want it to be your story. So right now we're hoping you're going to say yes to giving. And I always, I say this because I get so blessed by this. I am so blessed by so many of you that Wednesday night is your night to give. And uh, so I want to tell you, I, that means a lot to us, that you're not just watching, you're actually worshiping and you're involved and you're invested. And I really believe the Lord sees your heart and knows the, the commitments you have. So right now, I want to say this, if you're ready to give to God, and this is your time, text GIVE to 77247. Uh, to me, that's 77247. Tracy said it's 77247. But, uh, or go to uh, family and click uh, there to do that. But I want to pray for our time of giving right now. Uh, Father, I thank you for each and every person who has, has their treasure with you because I know where their treasure is, their heart is also. And I thank you for all who put you first in their giving. But I pray it's not just giving finances. It is giving finances, but it's giving our heart. It's giving our life. It's being people who say yes to you. And uh, Lord, I, I thank you for that and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, Tracy, you and I had this idea when we first began this series in the seven churches of Revelation to have people 
uh, on each week who would actually be someone who could tell you a life-changing experience like what we're studying, right? Yeah, and we had a hard time thinking about who to get next week because next week, are you ready for this, is on the persecuted church. But uh, God uh, used a friend of ours, Nazareth, uh, to open her eyes to somebody. You guys are not going to want to miss Steve, right? You're not going to want to miss Steve. Tell them about Steve. Yeah, so Steve was a former Muslim converted to Christian, and he had to endure a lot of persecution. So he's going to come next week and share his story, and it already, from what we heard, is going to be incredible. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the conversion experience was miraculous, yes. right? I mean, yes. there's, that's not, it's not a lightweight. It's a very miraculous moment where Jesus just grabbed hold of him, and that's when he could not resist the Lord, and he is so glad he didn't, yeah. but it almost cost him his life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and to him, it was worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you do not want to miss next week. And Steve, even though I think tonight's going to be amazing, too. It's not like we're going to have a low bar and a high bar. (laughs) You guys are awesome to have, too. As a matter of fact, I'm excited about this. Shanisha is on a leadership team planning a women's conference. And you came up with a a groundbreaking idea. (laughs) Okay, I'm not the only one. Tell them what we're going to do at the women's conference. Yeah, what we're going to try to do. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, wait, I don't want to put that out there. Um, so we had a discussion about having the whole rage room uh, thing in regards to breaking things to let go of some pain or problems or things you're going with and just getting that feeling out and how a lot of women are maybe dealing with those things around now. So we'll see. Well, we can oh, it's going to happen. Pam is watching right now. Pam, you told me it's going to happen. Uh, so it's a rage room, and it's a rage room. You go in and break things so you can uh, kind of uh, rage but let go of your rage, right? Yeah. 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 So, Tracy, who are you going to be thinking of when you're breaking things? Oh, I don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to treat her really good that week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so excited about that, but I'm even more excited that you're a part of really making this conference be great. So women can come together and really create relationships, right? Yeah, I'm really very, very honored to be a part of the group that's going over these things. So I just, at any time Crossroads asks me to do anything, I'm ready to be there because I just get so excited about what the church does because... I love my church. Amen. And, and I love my church. I love Crossroads. And whenever we say that, if you're brand new, uh, we have awesome buildings, but it's not buildings. It's the people. I love Sawyer so much that God brought him here and really love Shanisha and, and love, uh, you know, the, all those, we have a ton of people behind the scenes we love, uh, and, and not, but it's not just who puts on services. Uh, and by the way, I want you to know, it doesn't matter where you are. We're hoping your church family because geography doesn't define family. Uh, right. Right. And you have a bunch of family in, in Alabama and it hasn't changed your love for your family by coming here. Not at all. Not at all. I still love them just the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and his mom really wants it back. (laughs) Yes, yes, she does. (laughs) She does. She does. But you know what we want to do right now is we want to really dive into our study. But before we do, I want to pray for Steve because we love Steve. And Steve, I know you're watching online right now, and I know that you applied for a job at Famous Footwear, and you're hoping that you're going to get that job. I'm going to pray that the Lord orchestrates it so you do. So let's lift that up right now before we dive into our study. Father, I praise you and thank you that Steve is a part of our church family. And I pray right now, oh God, that you're going to uh, cause whoever does the interview to look at Steve and see the difference that's in him because of you and feel a sense of peace, but also a sense of excitement to have Steve 
Be someone that works with them. And so, Lord, we pray that we're going to hear a big yes coming our, uh, from Steve's way. And, Lord, I just pray that place is going to be a place of joy for him. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Well, the book of Revelations is by far my favorite book in the Bible. And I love the Bible. I love the whole Bible. But the book of Revelations is one of my favorite. And what you need to know is in Revelation chapter one, there's a, a special blessing pronounced to anybody who reads the words of this book and take heed to the prophecy that's within it. The Lord says something very special will happen to someone who reads, hears, and understands the teachings of this book. So we're gonna dive right into chapters two and three where there are seven churches that were being written to by John, but it was actually letters from Jesus. Jesus would dictate these letters and then these letters would go to each of these churches and, and they would talk to these churches. I wanna show you a map right now so you can see where they are. They're all would have been in what we call modern day Turkey. And so what happens is when you begin to look, you see that there's the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Pergamos, the church of Thyatira, the church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea. And uh, they were very real active churches at that day and time when John wrote these letters. They were churches that Jesus loved. They were churches that John cared about. There were churches where John would have known many, if not most or almost all of the people within it. And so when John got the word from Jesus about each of these churches, I think there was a part of him, his heart began to break. Why? Because five of the churches were plagued with problems. They were plagued with problems, which by the way, many churches today are plagued with the same problems and many Christians individually are. So you may find yourself identifying with one of the problems that are being addressed by Jesus and you're gonna understand who Jesus is, what he's like, what he likes, what he doesn't like, but also the Lord always gives us a way to find victory over a problem that could plague us. And so that's a big part of what we're gonna be studying as we go through these books. Two of the churches had no problems that were theirs because of a morality or because of bad theology, but they were dealing with issues of being attacked from without. Uh, and so in that moment, Jesus is gonna give very real hope and he's gonna tell them how to handle that when you're under attack by those kinds of things. So five had problems that were plaguing them because of their own decisions. Two were having problems that they were plagued or are dealing with because of other people being on the attack uh, with them. And I think today, a lot of you have to feel like you're under attack. And so, so many of you, you're going to resonate with the message that Jesus gives here. And then what I want you to know is that Jesus does want you to discover again, what he's like, what Jesus likes, because what is he like? And uh, what does Jesus not like? Because there are certain things he doesn't like. And what is it uh, that Jesus tells, we, uh, tells us we can do to solve the problems that are plaguing us? So uh, we're going to begin to understand that. And Jesus on purpose starts with the church of Ephesus. And the reason he starts with Ephesus is not because of where they were geographically, but where they were spiritually. So he's going to want to talk to them about it. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys will think this is funny, but uh, when uh, I was in high school, my mom and dad uh, took us to Tennessee where I got to be with uh, my dad's family because they're all in Bristol, Tennessee. And so um, what happened is my uncle Marvin said to me and my cousin, he goes, hey, you guys want to go to the movies? So we went to a drive-in movie to see a movie called Walking Tall. <laughs> I'd watch that movie today, uh, Walking Tall. But anyway, we're sitting there. We got our popcorn. My uncle Marvin's super cool. And Marvin looks at both of us and says, hey, guys, 
look out there. So we look at the sea of cars that are out there in this drive-in. And Marvin said, can you tell which cars have married couples in it? And I was like, no. My cousins, no. And my uncle Marvin goes, yeah, it's easy. It's the people sitting apart. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And, and we were dying laughing at that. But it really isn't funny when you think about it. Because how sad if a marriage goes from having passion to being passionless. From being passionate to passionless. Uh, one of my favorite jokes uh, uh, is of an older couple that are driving down the road and they look and they see a car coming towards them and, and it's a two lane highway and the car is almost swerving. Like it's clearly almost out of control. It's going way too fast and it's not being stable. And at any moment they could cross over and hit them. But just as it gets next to them, it veers and misses them. But as it goes by, the older couple can see that it's a high school couple and the girl girl is almost sitting on the guy's lap as he's driving and they're laughing. And as they go by, they, I mean, they almost kill him. And, uh, the, the woman, the, the older woman looks at her husband and says, do you remember when we used to drive like that? <laughs> and he said, yes, I do. And she said, why don't we drive like that anymore? And he looked at her and said, I never moved. <laughs> yeah. You know what I want to promise you? The one who will never move is Jesus. He's never going to move. He's never going to change his love for you. He's not going to love you more one minute and less another. He's not going to do it based on your disappointing him. And he's not going to do it based on your nailing something great. But by the way, he is going to cheer you on. And he is going to try to help you in the midst of disappointment. But he's never, ever going to move. He's never going to stop loving you. And what happened is Paul is, or uh, Jesus is talking to the church of Ephesus because they moved. They moved from what mattered most. That's why we're starting with this church. That's why Jesus is starting with this church. They moved from what mattered most. Uh, what I want you to know about the church of Ephesus is that uh, at one time they had it right. At one time they were so on fire. At one time they were so amazing and revival in their area and in many, many other places. And it makes sense that that's true because when you think of the pastors they had, their founding pastor was Paul the Apostle and he loved the Ephesian church. Uh, Timothy followed Paul and Timothy was amazing. As a matter of fact, when you read the letter of 1st and 2nd Timothy, he was at that time the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Then they got another uh, pastor after Timothy. It was John the Apostle who actually is going to be the one who's the author of the book of Revelation. And John was, uh, his title was, he was the apostle that Jesus loved, which I think is pretty interesting because I think that uh, kind of a side note, I don't know if you'll get this. I think Peter got bugged every time he read that. I think Peter probably thought I'm the one he loved. Don't John, because John's the only one who said it. <laughs> he, Peter didn't say it. Uh, John said it about himself. But, um, but we know that it was an incredible church with incredible people. Sorry, I know because you teach the word too. It's intriguing when we teach out of Ephesians, there's not one problem being addressed. Not one. Yeah, I, I want you to catch that because by the way, uh, this, the Corinthian letters, those, both of those were to a church that was messed up. Uh, uh, Jude is writing to churches that are in trouble in their day. James is trying to point people back in a right direction. And, and you know what? Peter even has to address problems in the church. But when they go to talk, when they go to talk to the church in Ephesus, there's nothing to say like that because they were so solid, so true, so on fire, so good. And here's the thing. 
Why are they the first church Jesus singles out that has a problem? Because I want to tell you what happens. It's called entropy. And if you don't know what entropy is, entropy is something that is a a physical law, but it's also a relational law and a spiritual law. In other words, there are laws of science and entropy is one of the laws of thermodynamics and science. And there also are physical laws and relational laws. But it all has to do with this. Entropy is where you move from hot to cold. So if something at one time is hot, it has a tendency to go cold. And by the way, that's true of any relationship too. Uh, You might be passionate and you can become what I said before is passionless. And that's where entropy sets in. And the only way to keep that from happening is to be very intentional and to guard your heart and guard the, guard the relationship. And that could be a relationship with the Lord. It can be friendships. Uh, it can be your, uh, a marriage. Uh, it can be with your kids. Uh, it could be your kids towards you, you towards your kids. And uh, you know what? It could be a church. It could be your church family. Um, And you know what? The Lord warns us about entropy and how entropy can set in. Uh, It also has to do, entropy has the idea of being, going from being in motion to being stuck. Uh, And you know what? The Lord wants you to be in motion. Uh, So I want you to know that, not stuck. Um, And it also has the idea of being organized to disorganized. So some of you need to clean your room (laughs) or your house or your car. But anyway, uh, but you know that that's true Uh, because if you get your car washed, what happens two weeks later? You know, it 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 probably, yeah, it rains. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I see these, yeah, it rains. And if you have a Jeep, you don't care. But, but Paul begins, or not Paul, but, but Jesus begins to talk to this church in a very special way. So what do we start with is what Jesus is like. So in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, and now Jesus is going to describe himself. And John has seen Jesus this way. And it says, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven lampstands says this. Now, don't read that over too quick. Don't go by that too fast. What happened in Revelation chapter one, which we didn't look at, in Revelation one, Jesus appears to John the apostle. But John, when he sees him, he sees him with white, uh, a white beard. He sees him with glowing garments. He sees him blazing in, in power. He also sees him holding seven stars in his right hand. Not, not any in his left, all in the right hand. Why? The right hand is the right hand of power. He also sees him walking in the midst as he is. He's in motion. Jesus is in motion amongst seven golden lampstands. And in Revelation 1 verse 20, we're told what that means. Uh, Jesus said, do you know what these are? And he says, I want you to know that the stars are the angels of the seven churches. So Jesus said, I am the one who holds in the powerful right hand I have, I hold up the angels of seven churches. Now that tells us something that I love. Every church has an angel. But what does the angel mean? Well, it's one of two things. It's either number one, an an angelic being, a supernatural angelic being, or it could be the pastor. Now, why is that? Because the word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which actually means angel or messenger. In other words, believe it or not, uh, whoever brings the message in a church would be called it's, uh, by, uh, you know, the angelos of that church, the messenger of that church, the preacher of that church, which, sorry, I kind of like the idea that we would be called angels. 
<laughs> I like that. I don't mind. Yeah. yeah. You know why? We get called a lot of other things. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's the best thing I've been called in a while. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we do get some of the other side. But, but here's the thing is I lean a little more that, uh, not, not a little, a lot more that it's actually that every church has an angel assigned to watch over it. Uh, we won't go too far off right now, but for instance, Michael, the archangel's main job was to watch over the nation of Israel. Uh, Gabriel's main job was to come to people who are very special in God's plan and watch over them. Those are two archangels, by the way. Uh, but it's interesting. When I first came to Crossroads, we uh, had a time where we were really in trouble, you guys. Matter of fact, when I first started here, we didn't know if the church would be uh, uh, survive it, uh, survive till the summer. Uh, finances were hard. There were other issues we were facing. And I remember I, I was on a particularly uh, a bad day. It was a very disappointing day. And uh, it seemed like almost every day I got hit with news that seemed like we weren't going to make it. We weren't going to win. And I remember sitting there in my office. And by the way, it was just a mess, entropy. <laughs> and... Um, I thought, Lord, I don't know what to do. And there was a knock and I look up and somehow this guy had gotten in past everybody. I didn't have Tracy back then. And uh, he said, are you the pastor? And I said, yeah. He said, I know you don't know me, um, but I had a vision and I think God wants me to tell you the vision. He wants you to hear it. And he came in and he said, I, I saw a, a, a geyser shooting up and, and out, out of this geyser, there were angels there. And God told me the geyser was his power of his spirit getting ready to erupt and the angels were guarding this church. And I was like, whoa. Well, that same day, a person got a hold of me and said, I had a dream. And in my dream, I could see the crossroads property and there were four angels standing on each corner protecting this church. And uh, you know what Psalm 34 verse seven says? It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. So I believe that every church has an angel and I believe Crossroads has an angel. And by the way, when we get to heaven, I'm going to have to tell that angel, I am so sorry for what we put you through. <laughs> we made your job hard, but you did good. You did good. <laughs> so the star, when Jesus said, I hold the seven stars, he said, I, I have a hold, a hold of, and I empower the angels that watch over the churches and the angel that watch over your church. So that's what Jesus is like. He's starting out this first letter with power. Then the next thing I want you to know is what the lampstands are. Uh, the lampstands are the churches. In other words, don't miss this. Every church is to be a lampstand that shines out into the world. And if you were in our tabernacle series, you know what a lampstand looks like. It's a, like almost a candelabra kind of looking thing. And so, but what it is, it's the idea of shining forth and the light of God shining through us and emanating out into a dark world that needs hope. And Jesus wants us to be a lampstand that shines in a bright way, in a bold way, in a dazzling way. And in Matthew chapter five, verse 14, it says this, you meaning individual Christians, and by the way, this would also include the church. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you, they, they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. And so, you know what the Lord says? He said, I want you to shine out. I want you to shine out. So he doesn't want us dimming ourselves. He don't want it to be a dimmer, you know, that comes on and anytime we're not shining forth. So day and night, 
light, we shine. In good times and in bad, we shine. We're always to make a difference in the world we're in. And how we shine out, Jesus said here in particular, is that they can see the good works we're doing. Now, we don't do the works to be seen, but when we do the works, they should be seen. Now, I don't want you to miss that. We don't do them to be seen. We do them to glorify the Lord, but we don't hide them. We don't put a basket over them. And so, you know what? It is I love the fact that here and around the world, we're shining out in a very special way. And, and I know that God is glorified by that. And again, we don't do it for our glory. We do it for his glory, but we don't hide it. You don't hide it. You don't hide it. Uh, recently, um, one of our leaders came to our elders and said, I believe God wants us to do something that we felt like was a, a faith step, if not a faith leap. And that is we were to give away half of our offering on one weekend. And I know some of you uh, heard about that. And if you haven't, you can go back and watch last Sunday's video. I think it is. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Also, yes, you can watch it last Sunday. You're going to say something else. Yeah. It's in the, I don't know if it's still going to show. It's in the beginning of this sermon. Okay. It's in the beginning of this sermon, but also I think we even have a separate one on our YouTube channel. But the idea is this, I think we blessed 16 organizations with the money that came in. Why? Because our church was so generous, but by, this is so cool is we didn't do it to be seen. We did it because the Lord called us to do it, but we didn't hide it either. As a matter of fact, we're glorifying the Lord. We got to do this together as a church, but I've got to talk to two people who aren't Christians and and they both were so amazed it happened. So amazed a group of Christians would do that because they thought a church would be all about itself. And we believe we're a church that's about Jesus and about what we can do to carry on the mission. And so we got to do that. We're coming up to something we do twice a year. And I'm so excited. One of my favorite seasons of the year is Christmas. Uh, I also love Easter. Christmas by far my favorite. Uh, and every one in both those seasons, we do something that Tracy leads. When I hired Tracy, I said, you got to make this, this dream a reality. And she did. And then Tracy being Tracy, made it better uh, than I thought it would be. And we call it Boldly Blessed. Tell everybody about Boldly Blessed. Yes. Boldly Blessed is when we ask everyone to give $1 more. And then we go after, after that Sunday, we go and we find a family or an individual in need and we bless them. Sometimes it's more than one. Sometimes it's a lot. We'll bless like we've blessed 10 people at one time, but we'll bless them. And then we announce what we did the following Sunday. And so this starts, we're going to start collecting the dollar more on December 5th. And then the first blessing we'll announce on December 12th. And yeah. Yes. And you can nominate someone. So if you're watching and there's a family that you think of that can use some help right now, you can go to crossroadschurch.family and you can click on boldly bless and nominate them. And we pray through all of the nominations and uh, we just see where God leads us. Yeah. And so by the way, so we're really days away from wanting to bless the family. And what we do is we bless them and then tell you, I want to reiterate that by, <laughs> this is a hard part of Tracy's job. She has basically five days to find out how much we're going to be able to do and to go out and make it be something that's life-changing for someone. And by the way, this is a prayer ministry she leads. They pray and ask God to, to open the door or close the door. It's amazing how many have closed, but then it opens something else pretty cool. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, and we've got a chance to do life-changing things for people. Shanisha, do you love it when we do that? I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I, I do excited. too. I get excited even giving the kids the extra dollar. I'm like, here's your extra dollar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And me too. I And when my grandkids are visiting, it's like, you guys get to do this too. And then when they get to watch the video, they're like, they were a part of that. And what I think is so cool is that is something we can do together that I don't, very few, probably none of you could do every single week on your own. But we as a church family can do that. And uh, there was one particular man and he's gave us permission to tell a story, but his child... It, it, 
boy, I think, was autistic or is autistic and had dental issues that were very severe, which meant also they needed a specialist to be able to help him because of his autism. And uh, the father was desperate and his son was in so much pain, but he couldn't afford it. And he certainly couldn't afford the specialist. And at a moment he was at his lowest low, Tracy called. I think you were the one who called. Yeah. yeah. And what happened? Yeah, we got to tell him that we were going to cover the expenses completely. They actually went that next week and got it taken care of, which was incredible for the little boy. Yeah, and he, he cried when he was telling about it. And he said, I just didn't know there were people out there like that. Uh, what you may not know, though, is there's always a ripple effect. So a man in our church was so touched by that, he got a hold of this man, and he's found out that he had a lot of gifting to be able to, to do some things that he should be able to do in his own business. Mm-hmm. So a man in our church is now going to, to literally fund him and be a partner with him in his own business so he actually is going to make even a better income. Mm-hmm. And that's just what happens when we're Christians. Mm-hmm. And you know what Jesus said? I want you to be a lampstand that shines out. I want you to shine out. And so, by the way, all of us are to do that. We're to do the works that we do to give glory to God. And then as a church family, we come together, which is a reason why you need to be an active part of a church family. Uh, you need to really be a part of it so we can do these kinds of things together. So what is Jesus like? He's powerful. And his right hand holds the angel of the church. And he walks in the midst of the lampstand. He's close. He's never far away. Remember who moves? If anybody moves, it's not Jesus. He's always in our midst. And then what does Jesus like? What Jesus likes? Uh, There's certain things you like and certain things you don't like. Uh, I like a place called Del Taco. Sawyer likes... Taco Bell. Come on, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and you two are not there. Okay. Del Taco for me. Yeah, not Taco Bell. Come on, come on. Taco Bell's way better, okay? Yeah, and we like Waffle House. Oh, yes. Play... Oh, come on. Yeah. I know this is off topic, but by far the most significant bummer when I moved here was I did not realize that Waffle House wasn't here. And one day I Googled Waffle House near me and it said Las Vegas. And I was so upset. I love Waffle House. Oh, that is so funny. And then I know the Sawyer got to get get a group of our staff to go to a Waffle House when you were at a conference Mm -hmm. and they all hated it. (laughs) Steve loves it. Pastor Steve loves it so much that he went, he and his wife went to North Carolina a couple weeks ago and he said he went there twice while they were there because he loves it so much. So Steve loves it. Everyone else hated it. Yeah. So all of you know Waffle House. I do too. Should he should too. And I love the hash browns. What do they call them? Stacked, smashed. Smothered, covered. Smothered, covered. Yeah. Yeah. But see, here's the thing. Like some people love that. Just love it. And then other people, you know, they they, they, they are lukewarm Christians. But no, I'm kidding. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. I'm totally kidding. But what is it Jesus likes? What is Jesus like? Look what it is in Revelations 2, 2 and 3. He said, I know your deeds. He's talking to the Ephesian church, but hopefully he would say this about you and he would say it about me and he'd say it about Crossroads. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves an ap- apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false, and you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. So I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna. St- spend too much time in each one, but I'm not going to go past too quickly. What is it that Jesus loved about the Ephesian church? They had deeds. 
They had deeds. The Greek word for deeds is the Greek word ergon, and it actually means energy. It's where we get the word energy. And he's saying this, you have energy in serving me. You're energetic in carrying out the faith. You're energetic in your worship. You're energetic in your service. And so that's what I want you to think about, that we need to be, if we're going to be what Jesus likes, we need to be having energy in how we serve. We need to exert energy in serving. Uh, and so here's what I want you to think about right now. Is that true for you? Now, the number one reason I'm told people don't do this, when I say, why aren't you serving in the church? Because the Lord's giving you a spiritual gift. Every Christian has a spiritual gift for serving in the church. But the number one reason I hear people say, I'm not serving, is I don't have, do you know what it is? Time. Time, yeah. Which, by the way, is not true because the Lord gave you time. He gave you time. But here's what I also want you to know. You probably are not aware of an incredible psychological study done on what is called the scarcity mentality or the enhancement theory. So scarcity versus enhancement theory. What they found is this. When someone says, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, probably the best thing they can do is add more time in and do something else. If I don't have time to serve, they found the best thing you could do is go serve. I, can't, I don't have the time to volunteer. The best thing you could do is volunteer. But you're saying, wait, wait, wait. I just said I don't. I don't have the time. I'm too tired. I'm too burned out. I'm too overwhelmed. That's scarcity. Saying, I'm going to do it anyway is enhancement. And they found overwhelmingly that when people actually say, no, I am going to add that into my life, they are happier, they're healthier, they're more excited, they have more passion. And by the way, that's what the Lord is saying to you. I made you to serve, so serve, serve. You might say, well, I might have to quit something. Well, then quit something. But I would say before you quit something, just start serving. Just start serving. And you could do that online, by the way. You can even serve online with us by being a prayer team, uh, by being an online host. Uh, we, we'll, we will help you discover your spiritual gift and begin to enact it in a special way. And of course, you could do it on campus too. People could serve in HSM, right? Come on, Tuesday night, seven o'clock. We need the help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and Shanisha's serving more than one place, I think, right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a greeter. Uh, do kids at night on Wednesdays. Uh, singles ministry, yeah, the women's event, the women's event. Yeah, rage like... rooms, rage rooms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like being here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, get, it makes your life better. Yes. Yeah. It does. So here's the thing. The Lord said, "I love that. I love it when my people have energy in serving, and they exert that energy in serving." Then He said, "I know your toil." He said to the Ephesians, I know your toil. And that's the Greek word kopon, which actually means to labor to the point of exhaustion. <laughs> and Tracy knows that because she works for me. And I, I work her till she, no, not really. <laughs> all enhancement over here. Oh yeah, all enhancement, yeah. But you know what? There's some times that we're around here, we're just dead tired, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, those are my favorite seasons too. They really are. And uh, you know what? It, it, I feel like the biggest blessings come in those seasons. And by the way, they probably should be seasons, uh, not times that you don't do that. But he wants us to be that way. Then the Lord said, here's something else. He said, I know your perseverance. I know your perseverance. You persevere. You don't give up. That also has the idea of steadfastness. You're a stay in there kind of person. And, and Jesus said, I love that about you. Jesus likes it when we persevere through hard times and through challenging uh, moments in our life. Then he said this, and you cannot tolerate evil men. 
You cannot tolerate evil men. Uh, the literal word there in the Greek is to take up or carry. He said, you're not going to carry on with evil people. You're not going to stay in their company. By the way, Christians do hopefully love everybody, but we don't hang with everybody. You know why? Because we know something's true. First Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Now, why is he saying that? Because so many people are deceived. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. See, the Lord doesn't like it when we tolerate evil people. He, he loves it and loves it and really likes it when we cannot tolerate evil people. So we need to know we could love people, but we might have to set a boundary. And there's a great study on boundaries where you're not in their presence very often, if at all. Why? Because the Lord doesn't want you to be. And he wants you to be able to stay away from that. Uh, by the way, the next thing the Lord says about him is you put to test those who call themselves an apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. Let me say this. I, I, I could probably go on and on and on. During the COVID crisis, I have watched um, pastors teach things that are not true and not good. And people are cheering. And they're teaching hate, not love. They're teaching to people to be disrespectful. They're teaching people to be more for war than for peace. And by the way, I hope you could put those pastors to the test and go, that's not the Lord. They're quoting scripture with it, but they're misquoting it. Uh, we know that if you're quoting scripture correctly, the goal of scripture is love, love. And uh, you know what's interesting? The Ephesian church, they could spot that. They were able to not see, they, they were able to see when things weren't true right away. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, it says this, for such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And it says, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. In other words, Jesus did say, you know them by their fruit. And, uh, you know, hopefully the fruit of crossroads. And I, I, it's a test we have to be asked if we'll pass is, are we more loving? Are we more kind? Are we more gentle? Uh, do we, do we practice goodness, righteousness, and truth? And, uh, you know what? Do we help people? And if someone even is our enemy, you know what we do? We love our enemy and we do good to those who hate us. Uh, by the way, I, I would hope that's who we are. We do good to those who even have come against us. And uh, the Lord says, you know what? I like that. I love that, that you're able to put them to a test and find out who's true and who's not true. Um, one of my heroes of the faith is Dr. Carol Todd. She's in heaven right now. Uh, Dr. Todd's from Corona, you guys. She was one of the first women doctors in all the United States. And then she went to India where she um, established a medical school in a hospital, but it was all based on being missionary. And uh, she won people to the Lord, won people to the Lord. One of uh, Pam and mine's really, really good friends, uh, Gita Swami Das, we just got an email about her. Gita was a doctor in that medical school and, and got to, to be under Dr. Carroll's, you know, the teaching that she established there. But when Dr. Carroll retired, she came and lived right here in Corona on a house on Grand, by the way. I could point it out to you one time. And I got to be in her house more than once. But one day... Two male Mormon missionaries will knock at her door. 
And so Dr. Carol, who's probably about this high, goes to the door and opens the door. And she's like, oh, a visitor, you know, because she's an older lady. And she's like, come on in, come on in. And she gets some cookies and food. And she even offered them coffee. <laughs> I think it's funny. Uh, and they didn't want it. She was fine with that. And she sat down. And here's the thing. She never had known very much or anything about Mormonism at that point. But she knew the Bible. She knew the Bible. And she sat there, and uh, her, the guy, the, there was a guy who took care of her, her caregiver, neat, neat guy, loved the Lord. He was uh, studying to go in ministry and got around her as much as he could. He said, Dr. Carol took them apart. She's so nice and so kind, but they were not ready for this woman that knew the word of God. And they started to teach false things and she started calling them on it and taking them to scripture. And he said at one point they were so shaken, but she was always kind, but they didn't know what to do with this lady who was destroying them (laughs) in love, in love. But she tested them and found their teaching to be false. And uh, the Lord says, I want everybody to be that way. By the way, we're dedicating Wednesday nights to being more in-depth so you could do the same thing with anybody at any time. And why would we want that? So you could be safe spiritually. And so you could test and know what is true and what is false because you know God's word so well. Uh, And Jesus wants that to be true of you. And then he brings it up again. Jesus said, you have perseverance. And then he says, you've not grown weary. Enhancement theory. You've not grown weary. And then he said this, get ready. And you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, that might be something you go, wait a minute. Why would Jesus be so excited about the fact that they hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans? And what does that even mean? Well, here's what it means. Nicolaitans comes from a Greek word, nico, which means over, and Latians, which means laity. And the idea is there was a group of people that John the Apostle and, and by the way, Peter and Jude and others spoke out against it powerfully saying, stay away from them because they taught that they were people who had a special anointing from God to rule over other people. See, Nico means over, Latians means laity, laity means the people or the congregation of Jesus. And when someone comes in and says, no, no, I get to rule over you, then Jesus said, I'm glad you spot that and you hate that. You hate someone who does that. You hate their deeds. You hate the energy they put into that. And uh, by the way, it's, it's okay to have leaders who have a leadership gift, but you always spot a Christian leader because they're servants. They don't, come to, they don't come to boss. They serve. They don't come to put you down so they can be lifted up. They come to lift you up so you can do more. And they don't come and take control of your life. So, you know, they're not, we're not dictatorial. Uh, so I'm a leader at Crossroads, but I hope that nobody, Sawyer and Tracy included, would say that I'm, I'm mean or that I make it about me. Uh, uh, you know what? And I don't believe any of our other, our elders don't do that. Our pastors don't, you don't do that. Um, and you know what is, is that's what you said. I hate that. I hate that. So when you see somebody exalting themselves, um, you know what I'd say, pray for them, but don't follow them. Pray for them, but don't follow them. So what is Jesus like? That's one of the things he likes. Now, what is Jesus not like? It's the reason why he started here. It's the reason why this church is first. Entropy had set in. The passion was gone. And he said this in Revelation 2, 4. You got all these things right. But this I have against you that you have left your first love. First love. I want you to think about first love. 
that's the, the older couple has first love when nobody's moved and they're sitting next to each other uh, in the car. And some of you might go, even an older couple? My uh, grandmother and grandfather were so in love uh, with each other. And uh, one time we were at a restaurant together and uh, my grandmother, I, I, don't, I really honestly, it's the part I wasn't real happy about, is uh, she said to my son, Rich, she goes, I want to see how many kids you're going to have. And so she pulled out a sewing needle and got a piece of thread and held, had him hold out his hand. And I guess if it spun in a circle, you would have a boy. And if it went sideways, you have a girl. And it's kind of witchcraft, but <laughs> my, my grandma's a Christian. It's not really witchcraft. But anyway, uh, so she was doing that. And I'm like thinking, I don't want him doing this. And so like, oh, you're going to have two boys and a girl, Rich. And uh, I said, okay, granny. I said, hold it over your hand. And it held it over my grandmother's hand. And my grandmother and my grandfather had one child, my mom, one girl. And the first thing it did was a girl. And then it did a boy. And then it did another boy. And I'm looking at my grandmother who's in her seventies. And I said, Hey granny, so you think you're going to have two boys? And she goes, I don't know why not. And I looked at her and she goes, Chuck, just cause there's snow on the rooftop doesn't mean there's not fire in the oven. <laughs> I love my grandmother. Uh, So here's the thing. Here's the thing. My grandparents, all those years of marriage, they never lost their passion for each other. And uh, I can tell you, Pam's watching right now. I am more in love with Pam today than I've ever been. We have first love right now. Uh, I won't get too into this, but kissing Pam is better now than it wasn't even the old days. And she was a good kisser then. Um, I'm getting a text. No, not really. Uh, You know what? Um, I love her more than ever. I love spending time with her. I love being with her. My favorite night of the week, honestly, is us getting to sit together. Uh, I love going on dates with her, and I owe you a few, uh, Pam. But I can tell you, if someone says you can't have first love all your life, well, we do. We do. And I love Jesus today more than ever. And Jesus said to the Ephesian church, but you don't love me like that. You've left your first love for me. You don't have that passion you used to. That, that feeling when you first became a Christian, that, that being on fire and wanting to be with me and, and caring for me with all your heart, mind, and soul. He said, you don't have any of that. And, and, and you can catch what Jesus is saying. He goes, you have all the motion, but no emotion. You have all the motion, but no emotion. And uh, Jesus wants us to have emotion too. I heard somebody one time say this, a pastor, by the way, who I do respect. He said, yeah, agape has nothing to do with emotion. It's all choice. And the word agape is the highest form of love in the Greek language. And I'm like, that is not even close to true. That is, the, that is so not true. So if anybody tells you that, let me be honest, it's totally a lie. And one reason I can tell you I know it's a lie is in the book of Genesis, when Isaac was going to make love to his wife, Elizabeth, it said he agaped her. There's emotion there. There's emotion there. And you know what? Is you do have to make a choice to love, but you also should have the feelings of love that go with it. And sometimes you have to make the choice to have the feelings follow. But Jesus said you don't have first love, which is that feelings of love, that passion of love. Uh, when I was doing next-gen ministry like Sawyer is, uh, this girl was really she was a problem child. <laughs> and uh, Sawyer would do this. I did this. I told the parents, get her to go to camp with me. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to bring a problem child to camp on purpose. And uh, we got her up to camp. It was a week-long summer camp. And she rededicated her life to the Lord and, and maybe a first-time decision, to be honest. 
she was so on fire and so excited and, and, and so just the power of the Holy Spirit upon her. So we got home. I couldn't wait for her mom to see her. Like this is the answer to prayer, right? So she gets off the bus and she runs to her mom. I watch her hug her mom. I walk over and she's crying. She goes, mom, I gave my life to Jesus. I made my, gave my life to Jesus. I've never felt like this before. And her mom looked at her and said, honey, it'll fade. Aww. Yeah. And I was like, what? She goes, oh yeah, it's just a camp high. It'll fade. And I thought, are you kidding me? Like, do we give you a fire hose to quench the Holy Spirit? Is that what you're doing, you know? And, and I'm like, are you, this, you're ruining your, 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 your opportunity for an incredible miracle. Uh, but I actually did. I, I tried to be respectful. I stepped in and said, hey, no, it's not going to fade. Camp highs don't fade. You know why you get a camp high? You get a camp high because you get away from the world. And you spend time with Jesus in a focused way and you worship God and you're around other Christians. If you will have very consistent times getting away from the world by being fellowship in a place like HSM and, uh, and, and loving the people there and worshiping God and being in the word every day, your camp high won't go away. And I want to tell you something. This is not a lie. I, Tracy, you could bear this out. I am in love with Jesus. And I think I walk in with the camp high almost every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, we had some horrible things happen here and people are like, how could you be so up? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm having a blast. <laughs> Which I had to be careful because they were hurting. But uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, the Lord said this, that the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the foremost commandment. So you know what? The Lord wants us to have a first love for him, a love that we never let go of, a love that we hold on to. And I'll tell you, you might ask, okay, is it really true, Chuck, you have that first love after all these years? And I do, because I'll tell you why, because I've been forgiven so much. Um, I have done horrible things in my life. I have messed up. Even after I became a Christian, I, I had made my worst season of sin. And then the Lord forgave me. Uh, and in Luke 7, 47, it says, for this reason, Jesus I said, I say to you, let her, sin, uh, let her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And you know what? I think all of us who know we've been forgiven so much love the Lord more. Would you think that's true, you guys? Yeah, yeah you know, and, and so that's, you know, and by the way, you don't have to earn it. I had one lady one time say to me, she goes, you don't deserve to be a pastor. I said, so true. Yeah. You don't have to argue. I won't argue that one. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve God's love, but I get it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he never, ever, ever, ever stops. And so uh, then the Lord said to this church that had fallen away so far, he said this in Revelation 2, 5, he gives his solution. The solution to their problem of not having a first love. He says, therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you for I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now don't miss the warning at the end. You can't go on like this. But he said, I want you to repent. I want you to change. So he said, I'm gonna tell you how to do that, how to get your first love back. Remember from where you've fallen, repent and do what you did at first. Repeat. So, On purpose, we have Shanisha and Sawyer here uh, because uh, we want to talk about this. Uh, You guys have been willing to say that you'll share your story with us, that at one time you really had this love for Jesus. Then you went through a season where it wasn't there anymore, where you fell away from the Lord, which I did too. And uh, then you came back. Uh, So, you know, uh, uh, Shanisha, tell us about your story. Then Sawyer, we'll have you go. Um, so my story is that, as you stated, I was on fire for God, really involved in my church in the past. I wasn't at Crossroads yet. Um, but then I, 
uh, started dealing with some problems in my marriage and realized that um, we were going to be dealing with the separation and possibly divorce. I was really praying about it, like really seeking God to make things work. And then it didn't. And I remember having like a conversation with God because I, I, he's my daddy. I talked to him like, you know, I, anybody else. And I was just like, I don't understand what's the point of me being a Proverbs 31 woman if this is what I get. And so I was like, I'm going to do me. I spent, I was married for eight years. I was like, I spent eight years doing what I was supposed to in regards to being a wife and a mom. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not proud of it, but it was literally about three months. I, you know, would go hang out, do stuff, be in relationships, be intimate. No things I knew I was not supposed to be doing, but I did it. I came to church every Sunday because I also wanted my kids to know we still go to church. But instead of sitting in the front, I sat all the way at the top. I barely paid attention because I was like, uh, this didn't help me before. So fast forward and even was trying to date somebody thought like, Hey, I'll bring you to church. Like at least you, you need to go to church. Cause they weren't even a Christian. I know I don't suppose to date people who aren't a Christian come to church. <laughs> Pastor Chuck's given a message and I don't remember completely what it was about, but he was talking about like fear and stepping out in faith and things like that. But he gave the call and he's like, there's someone out there and you've strayed away from God and you've done this and you're, you're worried about what's happened. And I literally was like, felt God be like, that is you. And I immediately began to cry and I cried. So I'm sure the person next to me was like, what is, I was crying so hard and I walked forward. I went to the back and I probably told the lady all my business. I was like, I've done all this <laughs> stuff and I'm so sorry. Um, but it just felt so good to give my life to him. And even I left and I explained the situation to the guy and I was like, you know, this isn't right. This isn't okay. And he's like, oh, it's different for you. Like it's your divorce is because of it. Like it's different. I was like, it's not different. God's word is God's word. And what I was doing before is not okay. And I can't continue to do that because that's the whole point of me repenting. So from then going through everything I went through, going through um, divorce care at my church, getting plugged in in the church, it just felt so good to be connected with God again and have that first love experience. So. Yeah, and you beam with that right now. Thank you know, that's you. one of the reasons we love uh, being, you know, with you at any time we can, mm-hmm. because Tra- she yeah. si- shines out, huh? Oh, yeah, shine the light of Jesus strong. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and Sawyer, you uh, in Alabama were raised in a very good Christian home. My parents did a great job raising me in the church, um, and honestly, a big part of the reason that I'm a pastor today and on fire for the Lord is because before I fell away from the Lord, I had tasted that goodness of being in relation with God. And it really was. It was, I remember growing up, um, I wasn't the kid that was forced to go to church. I loved it. I loved my church and I loved being a part of it. And we went to one church when I was really young and then went to Church of the Highlands um, later on. But I would go to church retreats. And I remember worship was always my favorite part. And, And even as like a fifth, sixth grader, like crying during worship. And I'm like, my biggest problem is that I have a vocabulary test tomorrow, but like, I just love God so much. And I was really just like on fire for him. And, um, at the time still wasn't great at the whole quiet time thing and stuff like that. I was still young in my faith, but I was learning those things. And I really genuinely loved God. Then when I went off to college, um, that changed a little bit, still once again, knew who God was and knew that he was so good in my life. Um, but started to make decisions that I knew weren't right. And I, I, I think I tried to justify them by, by saying, you know what? Um, 
I'm going to drink and I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to go to this party, but you know what? I'm not going to have sex at the end of the night, so it's okay. Or you know what? I, I, I had slipped further into an addiction that I'd been struggling with for a while with pornography, but I, I justified it because I was like, once again, it's virtual. It's not real sex. And you know what? I've been doing this for so long and God still loved me that I'm okay. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm, and rather than... Um, Working hard and pursuing good grades. I'm just going to, I know that I can pass my classes with a C or even if it's not necessary, a D. And I would just kind of justify those things that I knew in my heart were wrong. But because I had faded away from the Lord and faded away from the church um, and stopped really pursuing him that way, I just kind of started to slip away and slip away and slip away. And um, if I'm being honest, my freshman year of college, my identity was really in the trash can. I didn't know who I was, why I was living, didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I didn't really care to find out. I just wanted to kind of pass the time by and, and really numb the pain. Um, didn't have any meaningful relationships in my life. The addiction had gotten worse. The, the agony had gotten worse. And it was just a lot on my plate. And I remember um, I, I was scared to go back to church because I, it wasn't one of those things that I was scared of, of going and not knowing anyone. I was scared of going and knowing everyone because everyone at the church knew me and I was roommates with the senior pastor's son. And so I didn't want to go because they knew the things that I'd been doing. But remember one day I was like, I just, I was in so much pain and agony. I, I missed the way that my life was when I was with Jesus, even though it still wasn't perfect. I've missed having him. And so I went back to church and I think I expected to be judged and expected all this stuff. Um, and I wasn't any of that stuff, but the thing that shocked me the most uh, that I experienced that night was I experienced God. And I, I think it shocked me because I expected to go back and have to kind of work my way back up. But I realized I went, and I remember, I still remember the day I was sitting in this, in this seat in the back left corner of the room and literally just having this sobbing, crying moment of like, God's is still here. Like he's still here. He still loves me and he never left. And it really was kind of that moment. And I remember just going back and back and back and recommitting my life. And it completely changed. Obviously there was still a climb out of those sins and those habits that I had gotten into, but it was the turning point of my life. I rededicated my life to the Lord and he was there for me and worked me out of those things. And it, it changed my life. It's the reason that I'm here today. Um, and if I hadn't made that recommitment, I, I, I would have missed out on so much. You know, the obvious yeah. ones are I wouldn't be a pastor at Crossroads Church in Corona, California. I wouldn't be married to Jordan McKenzie. I wouldn't know you guys. Like I, I missed out on, I would have missed out on all of those things. And even more than that, I would have missed out on, on freedom from addiction. I would have missed out on eternal joy. Um, I would have missed out on so many things that the Lord has given me all because I had slipped away from the Lord. Um, so I'm very thankful that, that when I came back, God wasn't, uh, no, stay away. It was a welcome home, you know, kind of a thing. And it was really cool. So. Yeah. It was, he didn't move. No. Yeah. He yeah. Right he didn't move me. for either of you. Yeah. Like he was waiting for you to come back to be with him. And I love that you said, when I fell away from the Lord and hit my lowest low, I remember one night laying in bed, remembering what it was like when I was a Christian mm -hmm. And thinking, can I ever get that yep. back again? Yep. I, but I did, that's what Jesus said. Remember from where you've fallen yep. and then repent. And then I repented. And then I, I, gave, I, made, I, defer, I did what I did at first. I, I made the commitment. I went forward. Um, and it just, it, and, and by the way, not that I've been perfect, but I've not fallen away since then. Mm -hmm. Not any major season of it because I hated so much what I went through yeah. um, uh, too. Um, but both of you had that happen. And both of you said you experienced God's touch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Shanisha, I think that's so cool. The Lord used me to, to call you to that. I love it. I love it. It, it, it was just crazy because 
I've been going to the church for a while, so I've heard you give the messages and everything, and it's like different because at the time it was like, well, I'm good, you know? But I didn't walk in that day because, you know, some people walk in and it's like today's the day to – I didn't walk in that day. I still had the same mindset like I'm still doing me yeah. because I'm hurt. Yeah. yeah. But the message and the call and then when you – like it was like me. It was just like stop running. Yeah. I'm here. And I that's think good. that's the part. It's like God's grace is so good. It's like he still chases after me despite all the mess that I've done. Like, Lord, you saw me. Yeah. Like, and it's like – you're good. Come here. Yep. Yeah. Repent. Like, oh, I love him. I no, just, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I do too. I love that. I know. And you know what is, I know right now somewhere there's someone who's watching this and it, it may be on a different day even and different hour, but we know someone's watching and Sawyer, um, I, I feel like God wants you to talk to them okay. and, and call them to their moment. Like all of us have that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I could talk for hours and hours, but I think what was biggest for me um, when I came back to the Lord, like I said, it surprised me that he was still there for me. But I think the biggest thing that really made me so grateful was that there wasn't an ounce of shame that came along with it. It wasn't an ounce of, okay, welcome back, Sawyer, but you're still in trouble for what you've done. It was a welcome back, let's embrace the new. And it was really cool. And it was really welcoming. And like you said, you're just, uh, it, it makes me tear because it's, I don't deserve it. And I had lived in such a mess and I missed what I'd experienced earlier, like you said, Pastor Chuck, and I came back and it was there for me. It was ready for me. And so much more even. And, and since then I've grown in so many ways. And so if you're watching this, maybe you've never tasted that before. Maybe you've never had a life with Jesus before. Um, but I think hopefully after hearing our stories, you might say, you know what, I want that. And maybe you're unsure. One of my favorite parts about scripture, and it's a great promise that Jesus gives us, is almost kind of this challenge. It's almost kind of a money back guarantee of uh, taste and see that it's good. Um, it, it's it's if, you don't, if you don't believe me, try it. And Jesus says that. And maybe you're in that boat where you've just never had it before. I, I challenge you tonight, say yes to him and try it and see how it's going to change your life. But I really think the, the main focus tonight is also the people who need to come back. Yeah. You've experienced Jesus before. Whether you grew up in the church or you came during your lowest point and you experienced it, and then when you got everything figured out, you left. That, that sometimes is, is my problem. You know, I'm like in a low, I pursue God. He fixes me, I'm like, great. And you know what, maybe that's you and, and you've dipped and, and you need to come back to it. Tonight, I wanna give you guys a chance to come back, to say, you know what, God, I need you again. And just like that image that you said of that husband, you know what? I haven't moved and, and God hasn't moved. He's right here, open arms, ready for you guys to come back. And so um, if it's okay, I'd like to lead you guys in a prayer. Um, if it's your first time, I want you to say this prayer and I want you to mean it to God. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And if it's a recommitment, I want you to come back full force and I want you to mean this apology to God and say, God, I need you. And guess what? He doesn't make you crawl back to him and, and jump through hoops to earn it. He's right here waiting for you. So if that's you, I'm gonna say this prayer. I would love for you at home, wherever you're, whether you're alone or with someone to repeat this prayer after me, to say it, to mean it, to believe in your heart. So you guys can say this prayer with me. To say, Jesus, I need you. I'm coming back to you. I give you my life. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for falling away from you. 
And I'm sorry for living outside of your design. But right now, I need you. And I ask that you accept me back. And I accept you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Give me a new life, new purpose, and a new meaning. Forgive me for everything. And I say yes to you tonight. And I love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. 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 And, and praise God. Praise God for anyone who said that prayer. If you said that prayer, best decision in your life. That is, you are coming back to God. And I'd love for you guys, if you said that, to not hold up, but to text the word amen to 77247, or as Pastor Chuck says, 77247. I think 77247 sounds better, but either way, text the word amen to that number, or you can go to crossroadschurch.family. We'd love to come alongside you to take that next step with you, to give you the tools that you need, to give you a book, a great book called The Purpose Driven Life. Right, Pastor Chuck? That's the book? Yeah, for free. For free. Okay, so we'd love to give you guys that book and to help you kind of embrace this, this new life that you guys get to live through Jesus, and we'd also love to get you you guys plugged in and, and make sure that you're not doing this alone. And that was actually, by the way, not to go on another tangent, that's where my new love for the church came back. That I believe is really why I'm working at church now, because when I came back, God was there for me, but so was the church and uh, helped me pick up my life. And I was able to openly talk about the struggles that I had with no judgment. And so we'd love to be that for you as well, to, to walk you guys through and to get you plugged into where you're not doing it alone. So text amen to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family. Amen. And Sawyer, thank you for sharing that. And Shanisha, thank you for being here. And Tracy, you too. And uh, I am so excited you were here. And uh, I would also love for you to share this message with someone else. So by the way, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, I would do that. Hit subscribe so we can get you information on what we're doing. And then also share this so that other people can hear about what Jesus likes and what he doesn't like, and even more what he's like. And we'd want you to discover him. Next week, we talk about the Church of Pergamos, and we're going to have Steve with us, who is going to blow everybody's mind with uh, the, his testimony and what he's been through. And so you can't miss that. And also, don't watch alone. Get someone to watch with you, uh, either in your very presence or at the same time. And we'd love for you to do that. One last thing. Uh, we have a, a plan for Advent this year to be one of the best Advent seasons ever. Advent means the arrival. So we're celebrating the first arrival of Jesus. By the way, he comes twice. So we'll talk about his second coming too. But we're going to talk about the arrival of Jesus at what we call the Christmas season. And we have a journal for you that will make it way, way more meaningful. So go to amazon.com, search Chuck Boer, and get the journal, The Advent of Jesus. Uh, and that's the one that's up right? Yep, that's the only one that's up. That's the only, okay, we, we had another one people were getting mixed up on. Never mind. So the advent of Jesus, and, and you need that. You could do it with a friend. Uh, you could do it with family. You could do it with your kids. Uh, by the way, there's recipes in it of really, really good food that you can make. And we also have what we call mission advent, and you'll have directions on that. I'll talk about that more later, that we as a church can go do those good deeds and then let Jesus's light shine from us being lampstands. So get your Advent journal and get other people to get the Advent journal. Matter of fact, uh, uh, a man in our church, what he bought 10 and he's inviting friends to go through it with them. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I, this guy's on fire for the Lord. So make sure you do that. So we'll see you on Sunday for I Love My Church. See you next Wednesday and uh, God bless you and have a great night. Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text AMEN to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you, 
or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.